You're listening to You've Been Hanged, hosted by Hank Griffin, writer, man of faith, Parkinson's warrior, traveling man, and storyteller. Wonderful stories, home cooking, thoughtful lessons, and candor about life with Parkinson's are his to share. Relax for the next several minutes with your friend, neighbor, and brother who loves you. Beneath a black sky devoid of stars and bereft of moon, we pointed the truck north and set out for home. If all went well, my good friend, who is also my good brother, and I would be back at our respective homes in just over an hour. Our journey began some six hours earlier. I stifled a yawn. Brother Hank, how's your son doing? Mike asked, conscious perhaps of my apparent weariness. Doing fine. He's a good boy, I said. How old is he now? We talked a while about pleasant things. That helped pass the time. Ahead, regular bolts of lightning illuminated a cumulonimbus cloud, relatively narrow from my vantage point, but a towering structure and directly ahead. My companion talked about the evening, mutual friends and acquaintances, and our shared Masonic experiences. I appreciated his being there. Long drives are always better when undertaken in good company. More bolts of lightning flashed gold, lighting white clouds otherwise invisible in the dark, and I found myself taken back in time to other drives undertaken in stormy weather. By the time I was eight years old, I'd been driving the tractor for three years, mostly but not always supervised. When I turned eight, Mama decided it was time for me to learn to drive properly. In those days, she had a silver Mustang too, a stick shift. The first time I recall being in the driver's seat of that car, it was parked in the shade of a great oak in front of our home. I was much too small to be able to both reach the pedals and see over the dashboard. Mama worked to adjust the seat forward. Having moved it all the way in that direction, there was no help for it. I just couldn't manage to both actuate the pedals, particularly the clutch, and see over the steering wheel. Given these significant obstacles to success, I imagined that first driving lesson was over, to be postponed until I was a bit taller, but such was not the case. You sit right here and I'll go get something. Don't you move, Mama said. As she spoke, I heard something like frustration in her voice and saw a look of determination on her face. She disappeared into the house only to reappear moments later with a pillow in her hand and a look of pleased anticipation on her face. Raise up she instructed. I did so, and Mama put the pillow under my backside. Okay, sit back down and try again. I did as she instructed, but alas, it was not enough. I could either manage the pedals, or I could see out the front glass, but could not do both at the same time. Hang on, Mama said. Again, she ran inside. When she reemerged from the house, she carried a second pillow. In a moment, it was stacked on top of the first, and, and I sat upon them both. How about now? Beginning to be frustrated, I tried to reach the pedals and see over the steering wheel, prepared to report failure. To my delighted surprise, I now sat semi-comfortably in the driver's seat of the car, able to both work the pedals and, with just a little effort, see out the glass at the same time. I can do it. I can work the pedals and see over the steering wheel, I gleefully reported. All right, Mama was very pleased. 
we worked out how to shift the transmission. First, second, third, fourth, reverse. That one was a little tricky, but pretty soon eight-year-old me seemed to have it. Before long, I knew how to start the car and nominally understood braking. Ready? Mama asked. Heck yeah, I all but shouted. Exhilaration coursed through my small frame as the car successfully started. The motor revved in time with my pulse. I'm about to be driving a car, I thought, and was wildly exuberant with the sense of excited power that made itself known to my young nervous system. At this point, you may be asking, Hank, I thought you was thinking back to a time that you drove in a storm, and yet there's no description of inclement weather in your narrative. I looked at Mama for approval. She smiled and nodded encouragingly. At her signal, I engaged the clutch, depressed the brake, shifted the transmission into reverse, turned my body to look backwards as she described and realized, much too late, and to my great horror, that no matter how many pillows I sat upon, I simply was not tall enough to manage the pedals while also turning my much too young body around to look behind me in order to safely reverse. My feet came off the pedals, and I watched in absolute panic as the car sped backward onto the white wood fence that wrapped around our yard upon impact two 16-foot sections of that fence fell to the ground. The car died, and Mama said something that I'm pretty sure she must have learned from Granny Alice, who was the most prolific user of that kind of language I'd ever known in my young life. My first thought was of my very good father, Dub, and his inevitable displeasure when he arrived home and discovered the fence. You see, not all storms are atmospheric in nature. One might suppose that with such an ending to my first driving lesson that similar ongoing lessons might be curtailed. In such supposition, one would be mistaken. Having weathered the initial storm, my driving instruction continued under Mama's careful tutelage. By the time I was 10 years old, I found myself driving alone all over beautiful East Texas. Mama had a 1968 Buick Electra. It was 21 and a half feet long, brown, made entirely of steel and all electric. In the intervening two years since my first driving lesson, I'd grown a lot. Seeing over the steering wheel was a non-issue, and poor Dub, being no fool, wisely chose to purchase automatics over stick shifts for Mama to continue my illicit driving activities. On a particular occasion, Mama sent me on an errand. I want you to take this to your granddad and granny's house. You can visit a while if you like, then come on home. Yes, ma'am, I said. In no time, I was behind the wheel of Mama's brown Buick Electra and headed down the farm to Market Road towards my grandparents' home. The sky was increasingly dark gray. Rain began to fall soon after I began the trip. Beautiful East Texas is on the southern border of what is often referred to as Tornado Alley. There is rarely ever a gentle rain there. Instead, at least in those days, rain tended to come on fast and hard. Certainly, there were lingering storms on occasion, but for the most part, the weather was tempestuous, sudden, usually violent, and often devastating, or, as we like to refer to it in beautiful, just normal. The sky continued to darken, particularly in the west. This was usual and not unexpected, as weather in beautiful East Texas generally moves from west to east. Mama's enormous brown Buick Electra was a wonderfully comfortable luxury car, heavy, 
Its weight lent a feeling of safety in its operation. The wind began to pick up, and as it did so, began also to gust, even violently. When I felt the wind shifting that heavy buick, my ten-year-old self sensed danger, and I grew cautious. The rain began to pour down in such tremendous volume that the wipers, even set to high, could not keep up with the deluge. I slowed the car, put on the headlights, and even engaged the emergency flashers in order that I might be more easily seen, though I'd observed no other cars on that rural route. Still, the storm strengthened, so much so that I could no longer see the yellow line on the road. Indeed, to my horror, I realized I couldn't even see the front end of the hood of the car, nor the back end of the turtle hull. That's a trunk to you Yankees. When I looked back in the back-facing mirror, with this shock of recognition, I quickly pulled Mama's Buick entirely off the road and onto the grass as there was no paved shoulder. I had to open the car door even to see where the grass was, and torrential rain poured in upon me as I did so. Finally, feeling confident that no part of her car remained on the road, I closed the car back up and looked out the front glass. Fear mingled with frank astonishment swept over me as I realized the storm was of such intensity that I could not see any part of the outside world beyond the fury of water pouring out of the sky and onto the glass that was all that separated me from apparent oblivion. Though still late afternoon, the sky was entirely black. White water broke upon every window of the car and was all that could be seen, no other trace of the outside world, not so much as a hint, no, not even a sliver of brown could be discerned, and I knew that real danger stalked me. All that was, was chaos. The storm's veil fell entirely upon me there. There was no world, no earth beyond the interior of the car. The storm raged. Lightning flashed, almost strobe light, and thunder exploded again and again, beginning anew before the last explosion ended. The car shook and shimmied despite its thousands of pounds in the storm's fury. And in the black of it, lit only by the awful flashing lightning, I heard a frightful roar, such that tears filled my eyes for fear of my own imminent mortality. A 1968 Buick Electra was a car of such proportion as to be nearly unrelatable to today's vehicles. It was truly a giant of a car, and would require most of four contemporary and comparatively tiny parking places to properly park from front to back and still leave room to open both the driver's and passenger doors. Similarly, the inside of the car was cavernous. Fearing the storm that savagely raged outside that protective frame of steel and glass, grounded only by the rubber tires that supported it, I determined to seek help from on high. What had been only a car moments before became a chapel, a cathedral, a temple, and in that sacred space I knelt upon the vinyl front bench seat and there poured out my heart, soul, and very real fear to my Creator, the Creator of all that is. My prayer may have only been that such as a ten-year-old boy is capable of, but it mattered little, for my faith was every bit of what a ten-year-old boy is also capable of, and more than exceeded a vocabulary limited by youth and inexperience. As I knelt there praying, I wept for fear of the storm. The Almighty had compassion on His creation, and, in time, the storm diminished just a little. As it did so, I opened my eyes and saw the brown hood of the car, but no more. 
Eventually the curtain of rain receded and I began to see the road and grass both covered by a flood of water. That awful veil drew back a little more, and to my unmitigated horror I saw the tornado. The black funnel rose from the earth and reached into the heavens, crossing the farm-to-market road not more than a hundred yards ahead of me. It traveled from my right to my left. In its debris field, I saw road signs, trees, whole trees, parts of what was once a house, what appeared to be a horse trailer, and heaven help me, I even saw what was left of a horse, perhaps a match set that belonged to the trailer. The monster moved slowly, so slowly. I felt the car yearning to come up off the ground and enter its orbit and begged God to prevent it. The car actually scooted forward, though it was not running, and in park, and I prayed nearly shouting, indeed shouting, for my Creator to send His angels to hold it in place. I think He must have done so. I cannot otherwise explain how neither I nor Mama's brown Buick did not become one with that awful beast of a storm. I can only say that I am grateful beyond measure that we did not. Back again in the present, I realized my friend and Brother Mason must have asked me a question and politely waited for an answer. Sorry, Brother Mike, what, what did you say? I was just asking if you enjoyed the evening, he said. Brother, I enjoyed it very well, more than you know. It's been a gift. I must thank the worshipful master for inviting me, I said. Ahead of us, lightning again lit the cumulonimbus structure. You are beautiful to behold, I thought. But I do not fear you, for you are only beautiful, and we are not back in beautiful. Much love, Hank. You've been Hank. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. These stories are true stories. They are my stories, and I love sharing them with you. If you appreciate what you've heard, I hope you'll give it a like, make a comment, and subscribe. If you find this work worthy of your material support, an option for a paid subscription is available, regardless of anything else. Thanks so much for being here and for listening. Talk to you again next time. Thanks for listening to You've Been Hanked. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor. Like, share, subscribe, and comment. It's easy and really makes a difference. Please help Hank help others by increasing the reach of You've Been Hanked.